Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. I am very pleased on this Friday afternoon. You can see my parka. It's autumn. It's uh, cold out. I'm playing that uh, how long can I wait before I turn the heat on. So it's a good way to end a Friday talk in SureTech with uh, Jason Silver. Jason is VP of Sales for Insurance for Velocity in North America. And I would like to welcome him and uh, finish off a Friday with a bang. Jason, happy Friday. Thank you, thank you, Nick. Happy Friday. I love your Golden Gate Bridge in the background there. Did you uh, did you survive InsureTech Connect? We did. It was a great show. You know, it's exciting to see how fast these things are growing. I think when I went to InsureTech last year, I mean, I think there was probably half the amount of people there. And this year, it's just it's just becoming almost overwhelming. It's huge. It yeah. Great. Yeah. I heard 7,000. No, that it seems like there are more than seven thousand there, but that's yeah. probably a good number to go with. I uh, seven thousand people, uh, probably twelve hours a day, blisters on my feet. Uh, the, the that's the most interesting thing about uh, Vegas is everything is so close yet so far away. It's true. It's true. I mean, so many people. I just felt like getting herded like cattle at one point there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I kick off, Jason, I kick off every episode uh, giving you a little bit of a platform. Velocity, what is it? So Velocity, we've been around for about five years now, and we're actually given $60 million from Salesforce and got about another $100 million in venture capital funding to go out and actually build a digital insurance platform directly on top of Salesforce. And so we've actually built that complete policy lifecycle directly natively inside of the Salesforce clouds. We're able to do quoting, we're able to do billing, um, policy admin, where we're able to do transactions and different kinds of endorsements. We have a claims engine that we've built out. We've also built out this thing that we call the agile middle office. We've built out a rules engine, a rating engine, a product catalog, as well as capabilities to be able to integrate in different systems as well. Now, I mentioned, you know, our rules engine, rating engine, product catalog, you know, even policy admins and claim systems. There's a lot of them out there. And sometimes it can be a holy war where, you know, an organization, a carrier has invested sometimes hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars into a system like this. And so we understand that there's certain things that just aren't going to be replaced, but there's certain things that they also want to digitally transform. And that's where really velocity comes in, because if you have a rating engine that you truly love today, We'll just integrate that in with Velocity. Or if you have a product catalog that you really want to use and it has some sort of an API, we can talk to it with Velocity. So we're able to quote and do you know, all kinds of different transactions from a single platform and uh, support multiple different lines of business as well on top of the Velocity platform. Yeah, so a, a couple things to unpack there that I think are important. First, uh, why Salesforce? Can you talk about the advantages of building on top of Salesforce versus just building an entire platform from scratch? Absolutely. That's a really great question. Because the thing that we utilize from a Salesforce perspective by way of the platform is all the security that's built in, all the scalability that's built in. They are the number one customer success platform in the world for a reason, and we want to make sure that we leverage it. And it's much faster to actually build a company on Salesforce than if you wanted to go out and 
you know, rent some servers from AWS or Microsoft or whatever the case may be, you know, that's just really renting infrastructure. What we have in place is really a full application that's built on top of the Salesforce platform. And if we didn't do it on top of the Salesforce platform, it probably would have taken us a couple more years in order to build something like this. Yeah. So when, uh, when we originally talked, um, I think, uh, we, we, we said, let's, let's get this on record. Let's record this and let's theme it innovating within insurance. And you just brought up the fact that a lot of companies in the ecosystem have spent tens, hundreds. If, if you're right and there's been a billion dollars invested by some company, like I, I just, it's just, that's just mind blowing. I, I want to go into that a little bit more because it's, I think that's part of, what is um, what I thought was so interesting and why I wanted to record this with you is because you have a lot of those companies in the ecosystem that have already invested a ton um, in IT. And so talk, talk to us how the engagement would work uh, between Velocity and those companies that ha have already invested a lot. They're probably going to look at yeah. what you have and just say, you know, why would we invest more? Talk about the advantages of, uh, you know, adding the digital element through the way that you do it versus just adding another platform? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So what we've noticed is that, you know, with these large carriers, they tend to not put all of their products on these large policy admin systems. And they're always playing keep up with the Joneses in terms of the lemonades and the new insure techs that come out. So they want to be able to spin up products rapidly, not taking years to do it. And that's the great thing about Velocity is that we're able to spin up and you know really put products out into production in months instead of years. And that's what makes us much different than a lot of the other people in the industry. And you know we work with a lot of large carriers out there that are using those traditional policy admin yep. products that still come to us and say, you know what, we just want to spin up this one product, but we don't want to do it in 18 months. We want to do it in three months. Can you help us, Velocity? And that's really where we come in because we get things done. You know, My CEO likes to say, faster, better, cheaper. And that's really what we're doing here. And it's been amazing just to see how we've transformed some of these customers. Yeah. So you're, uh, you know, looking, looking at your background, uh, coming into insurance. Um, I'm curious as to, <laughs> at, from, from the la the landscape that you're, you're viewing things, um, what's, What's necessary to change here? What, what, do you, what do you think is required for, for companies that have invested tens or hundreds of millions of dollars? What, what are the, what's the mindset that you think that they're going to need to have in order to evolve to the next generation of products, services, business models? You know, that's a really good question because, you know, even some people on my team struggle with that. But it's really being able to find a visionary at that insurance organization, at that carrier, really a change agent. Somebody that is tired of the business processes that are in place today and wanna to help streamline things and maybe look at things a little bit differently to try to keep up with some of the other organizations out there that are taking you know, mind share and, and revenue dollars away from some of these carriers, like some of these you know, new insurance companies that are doing things based on usage, which yeah. is very different than a lot, a lot of the other traditional carriers that don't sell insurance that, those ways. And I can tell you that if these old carriers don't start changing their ways, they may not be around for too much longer. Okay. So uh, phase one, uh, older carrier. I, I was actually talking to uh, someone that I'm going to meet in a couple of weeks 
the cat that this particular carrier is almost 200 years old. Okay, so <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, I used to sell for them. I don't know a lot about their IT infrastructure. I'm kind of assuming that there's a lot of baggage there. So let's let's go. Let's unpack this a little bit. Uh, phase yeah. one. Phase one for a, a very old carrier that has a lot of IT baggage. Um, what's beyond just the visionary? What what are what's phase one look like in terms of trying to turn the corner? What would you recommend? So phase one is really for us to sit down and talk to them about you know what are some of the newer products that they're trying to launch that are maybe backlogged that they just can't launch because of their systems that are holding them back. That's really a great place to start because you'd be surprised when you ask that question, how many carriers have a, an Excel spreadsheet with sometimes 20 to 100 different products that they want to release, but their systems are holding them back. So it's really determining you know, where some of that low-hanging fruit is and how we can get them quick wins. Because in these old insurance companies, it's taken them forever to do some of these projects. And if you can show them a quick win in a matter of months, it's game-changing for these guys and it gets them to start to think differently. Yeah. So, uh, if I can kind of summarize that, uh, don't break what you what don't break what's currently working. Take what's what you would have tried to implement on the older system, and implement that on something that's newer. Exactly. I would absolutely agree with that. And you know, we have run into those organizations that you know their their legacy systems. They're just tired of managing them. Some of them are mainframe based. Some of them are built on AS four hundreds or even you know, just on-premise older servers, and they just don't want to be in the business of managing that anymore. So some of them are actually coming to us to do, you know, 100% conversions. You know, those are not as common as some of the other carriers that just want to launch a product or new, a product or two here or there, but they are coming to us these days, and it's surprising how many of them are saying, you know, we just want to look at a full system replacement. Okay, so what what does that look like? Because to me, that, that would be probably... Th- where a lot of the industry would get hung up, where you would get hung up as a company, where all of a sudden, you know, you're, you have, let's say a company that has homeowners, auto, small business, and uh, they, they, they need to convert over to that, but you have a lot of underwriters, actuaries, claims, people are saying, whoa, 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 have you considered this? Have you considered that? Uh, walk us through um, what what a framework might look like to do that sort of conversion. Yeah, so I would never ever tell anybody to do it all at once. We never want to do a big bang. We obviously want to phase it in. Um, you know, we would look at, you know, what are your most important lines of business first? And those are the ones we probably want to get on the system first, just to make sure that everything is working 100% properly and that you're seeing lifts from the system as well. The other thing that we try to tell these organizations when, when we sit down with them, if we are going to do a full system replacement, let's just not do a lift and shift. Let's take a look at what some of those processes look like today and how do we make them better in velocity? Yep. Because we sat down with a lot of organizations that really like the way they're doing things today and just want to move it into a new system. And my question back to them is, well, why move it into a new system then if you really don't want to change too much? So it's really, like I said, understanding what some of those key products and lines of businesses are getting those on the system first, and then just having a roadmap in place with the business and IT on when things are going to go live and sticking to that roadmap. And the yep. way that you really stick to that roadmap is by making sure you have the right team in place, the right team from the carrier side, and the right team, obviously, from the IT 
perspective and uh, from an implementation partner as well. Now we do do services here at Velocity, but we rely heavily on some of our partners like Accenture, like Deloitte, like PwC, a lot of those big guys out there. We work with some of the smaller guys as well, but you know we rely heavily on some of these organizations to make sure that these projects are going to run properly. Do you recommend with those kinds of projects where there is either partial or full uh, transition right over to a new platform that um, that things get run in parallel for a while? Like, hey, let's keep the old system running. We'll set up the new one and kind of run it alongside, and then at some point we'll unplug. How does is that something absolutely. you do or recommend? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely have a parallel approach just to make sure that everything is one is working 100% perfect. Because even from a claims perspective, they need to be right 100% of the time, not 99% of the time. So we make sure that we have some sort of a lifeline there in terms of the older system. And then when we're 100% sure that everything is working the way that it's supposed to be, then we'll do a system cutover where okay. we'll just be on the new system at that point. What do, you, what do you need to see from the senior leadership? How do you know, um, I know not all projects probably are successful. Maybe you're the exception where every single one is a, every single one is a home run, but what, 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 what would you like to see from the senior executives or the leadership for, the, for these companies to know that, hey, this is, this is probably gonna be successful or this probably, we may, we may struggle with this because of that, what, what's, what, what must be the culture or the mindset of senior leadership in order to make this successful? That's a, that's a great question. And it comes back down to methodology. We like to do an agile methodology by way of the projects that we do, where if you're gonna fail, you're gonna fail fast, or if you're gonna succeed, you're gonna succeed fast. So we like to make sure that we're aligned just from a methodology perspective, and agile is a methodology that we like to use from a development perspective. And then it also goes back to, you know, the thing I mentioned earlier about making sure that we have the right team in place from both sides. And the right team means that, you know, we have an executive on their end, somebody that really has some skin in the game that really wants to see this thing through from a business perspective. You got to have an IT executive as well. And you got to make sure those guys are aligned. And then usually from a velocity perspective, we'll have an executive from our end might even be our CEO that wants to make sure this project is going to be 100% successful. So we will have regular touch points, almost quarterly business reviews, but you know, when a project's underway, we're doing a lot more than, than per quarter, just to make sure that everybody's getting what they need to out of the relationship. And we also, if you know, there's a carrier out there that says, Jason, we really need to have this feature and function the next release of your product. The great thing is, we do agile development here ourselves. We have three releases a year on our product. And if we feel that, you know, if we feel that that, that feature is really important and that other customers are going to be able to utilize it as well, we'll put it right in the product as fast mm -hmm. as we can. So that's the yeah. thing about us that makes us a little bit different than a lot of the others out there as well. Yeah, no, that's uh, that it's a good message. I'm, I'm always concerned about, um, you know, senior leadership's kind of, uh, you know, defaulting to someone like defaulting to an IT department, just say, kind of run this um, when, when in fact, like, I feel like IT can no longer be a separate department, almost has to be part of part and parcel of the culture of, of the company. So you don't run into this problem after the platform has been developed and, you, you know, 10 years from now, you got to do it all over again. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's really important to have that relationship 
between the business and IT, and it needs to be senior leaders that have that relationship internally. Literally, there's a handshake between those guys or gals just to make sure these projects run successfully. Yeah. Um, you kind of peering out into the future, um, what what is your take on just insurance in general? You, uh, you know, we, we just came back, came back from InsureTech Connect. So, you know, things are changing rapidly. That's, you know, it's between AI and machine learning and drones and all of this stuff going on. What's going on at Velocity to make sure that you guys are keeping up with all of the modern technology to make sure that you can then deliver it down to your carrier partners? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, I was actually taken back by InsureTech Connect when I went out there and just noticed how many new AI companies out there and how many drone companies there were out there. Yeah. So some things that we're doing here at Velocity is we think that IoT is going to be huge around insurance. It already is becoming huge. You know, if you have a specific device in your house, maybe you get, you know, cheaper homeowners insurance because of it. So what we're actually doing here is we're developing hooks into IoT platforms so we can help you know, monitor those platforms, and then also bill based on that. And obviously, you know, manage policies based on that as well. So we think that IoT is going to be extremely hot. Um, obviously, AI, there's some things that we're doing with the help of Salesforce around AI, since they made that acquisition of Tableau that's being rolled into their Einstein mm -hmm. product. So we're figuring out new ways to actually integrate that data into Velocity as well. So we can utilize it for selling and servicing policies. But, um, you know, what we'd love to do at some point is figure out how we're going to start to incorporate some of that drone data as well into Velocity, just because, I mean, man, I, I'd never seen so many drone companies in my entire life, them coming back from InsureTech Connect, and in talking with our general manager, there's definitely going to hopefully be some synergies there between what we're doing and how we can start to incorporate some of that drone data as well. But I'd be curious as to your take on that as well. I mean, you went to ITC, and you've probably been there a couple times more than I have. I mean, what were, you, what were your thoughts about some of the new technology that's been spinning up? Yeah, first time. Yeah. First time. Oh, really? First that, time that, at ITC? Wow, okay. <laughs> that, I, that I had been there, um, which is uh, pretty amazing. Um, just there's how, how much the industry has transformed. So, you know, when InsureTech in was first a word, I felt like I knew all the players. And then you go to ITC and you don't recognize anybody. You know, you can't, you occasionally bump into folks that you already know, but man, from all over the world, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, the, the ability of AI to read imagery. And so not just the drones, like I'm seeing, um, companies like better view. Um, there's a, you know, there's a, a few others, um, that can take satellite imagery and run AI on it and basically say, yeah, you've just, you, we can see hail damage to your roof or your roof is of this quality, you know, which is uh, in property insurance is a fantastic uh, and necessary element to, to what's going on. So that's just, to me, that's just crazy. How, how many, as you mentioned, how many AI companies and how many drone companies, how many imagery companies exist? I, I don't know how they all survive, frankly. You know, I, I think there's yeah, a struggle <laughs> there, but for the carrier space, uh, they, I think they're, you know, they're going to be swimming in a lot of uh, data. And that, that's probably my biggest concern is that yeah. 
with there's, all there, the data all gonna... that they're going to have. They don't, they're not going to know what to do with it without, without companies like ours to kind of provide, help them provide the insight. I, I didn't even know Salesforce was with Tableau now. So that's a perfect yeah. like segue for this. Like someone has to sit there as an interface and basically say, you have all this data, but someone has to be able to present it in a BI uh, smart BI way to uh, to executives and leadership and whatever, so they can they can draw insights from it. That's the thing I'm most concerned about. Yeah, I think you're going to start to see more of those data lakes start to pop up by way of big data. You know, the Clouderas and those guys out there are probably running a lot of this data and then needing tools just to mine it and figure out, you know, making making really sense of it. Yeah, I keep you know I keep hearing about how like uh, data is the new oil. Um, which, which might be the case, you know, but you need a refinery, right? Like the oil itself is worthless without the refinery, without something to convert it to gasoline or plastic or whatever. It's the raw material. And I feel like the data is going to be the same if there aren't the, the refineries to convert it to something that's useful. It's just a bunch of ones and zeros, right? I, I agree, and I think that's why we're going to start to see a host of all kinds of new analytics players out there as well to start to mine that data and really report on it. Yeah, I'm giving a, a presentation in October on the future of technology um, and, and in insurance, and that's a lot of my, um, you know, my presentation will center around the message of, you know, hey, don't don't believe the fear of the AI is going to replace your jobs and all of this because it, at the end of the day, one, someone has to build the AI. So there's, you know, someone has to build the robots. Some, there's going to be jobs there. Someone has to keep those up to date and, and maintain oh, yeah. those. But then on the, on the flip side, someone has to be able to interpret. You know, the AI is going to deliver things for you. Yes, I think it's going to do a lot of the mundane and routine things. But someone still has to make a decision. Someone still has to say, you know, where where are the margins? We, you know, um, as the way I, I guess, Jason, the way I sort of explain this, I'm in the natural catastrophe space. Everyone just sort of grab when when um, when companies pitch me, they're always like, we will help you find the low risk flood exposures. And I always have to remind them, like, well, that's the exposures everybody wants there's going to be no margin there because that's where all the competition is going to kind of gravitate towards. I want that sweet spot where right. uh, the losses aren't too severe. They're manageable, but there's significant margin on it. And someone has to be able to make those business decisions. And that's going to be my message at this conference is don't forget the business part. Don't forget that someone has to make decisions off of this. You still need, someone needs to be able to make money off of it. Exactly. But at least now they're going to be in a position to actually make intelligent decisions where before it was Correct. a little more difficult to try to try to make those decisions. Correct. You know, and so um, I, I think part of, um, you, you know, if you're looking for probably, you know, some sort of historical precedent of, you know, where and where has insurance been somewhat disrupted in the past? It's been on the natural catastrophe side because we've had ca catastrophe models. So, uh, all of this great AI stuff, well, I think we have a precedent. The models that were created in the late 1980s really revolutionized how property insurance was done. And what ended up happening was everybody used the same models. Everyone came to the same decision. And you still needed someone to pull a trigger. 
You still needed mm-hmm. like, it, it, it created a whole new set of jobs in employment mm-hmm. in the insurance industry as it evolved from, hey, we're dumb to, hey, we're smart, we're smarter, or we could be smarter. How do we use this stuff? What do we, you know, yeah. how do we make decisions now? There's never, and it's kind of weird to say this, there's never been a more exciting time for insurance than today. Yeah. You know, just because of all the new technology, all the new business models that are coming up, coming to market. And it's just the greatest thing for a consumer today that actually wants to go out and buy insurance because there's so many different ways you can buy it. There's so many different types of products. It's just becoming a consumer's paradise for insurance. And then it's really up to the carrier to distinguish themselves on what makes them different and why even a millennial should come and buy life insurance from them who's probably never bought anything close to that in the past. So it's really, you know, and, and that's the thing that we're trying to help these carriers do is really distinguish, them, distinguish themselves from the others out there. And we do that by, you know, our products, by, you know, really the user experience and making it much different than some of the others that are out there. I mean, you have these lemonades of the world and that's why a lot of people go there is because they have such a great user experience. And that's what we're trying to do for a lot of the kind of more traditional carriers, even though we love working with the insure techs as well, but we're really trying to help digitally transform some of those older carriers that it's been very difficult for them, for them to do in the past. Yeah. I think that's been somewhat the story of insure tech 1.0 is you have a lot of folks like you who, uh, you know, the, the tech savvy folks who um, have come off building, you know, these other bit or working and building these other businesses where it was just like, hey, look how easy we made it to conduct business. So you get the Amazons and so on and so forth. Let's let's port that over to insurance and let's make it easier. I think that has been the story of 1.0 and 2.0 It's transitioning. As you said, I think you said a couple of keywords. How do you differentiate yourself? So you'll have now a bunch of carriers. They've made it easier for their customers to work with them. Now what? How, now how can you differentiate yourself? How can you make your auto product better? How can you make your homeowner's product better? IOT, again, like the, let's, let's keep adding those elements in and continue to evolve and raise it. Uh, I, I looked at like uh, I think recently I saw Amazon's original web page, and you know it's laughable, right? In today's day and right. standard, and to what they have today, which is just like this really amazing place where you can just go there, click a button, and you buy something. Yeah, I met with the chief digital officer just a little while ago, and this person told me that if you didn't have your website refreshed every two years, then you basically were going to be losing business to your competitor that was refreshing it more often than you because they're up to speed on what the latest and greatest crazes are from a user experience perspective. And that's all what it comes down to at the end of the day for most people is how easy it is to come to your site and buy something. I don't care if it's insurance. I don't care if it's, you know, buying a new phone. I mean, everything needs to have the same kind of look and feel. And that's what everybody wants today. Everybody wants that Amazon experience to make it easy to buy something. And that's where insurers are starting to shift and they're starting to see that and they're starting to make their, you know, applications a lot more user friendly. So people actually want to come use them. Yeah. Uh, As a, as a small tangent, uh, Gmail just updated their app for the iPhone and I opened up my Gmail and it was a different font and it was better. Like I immediately, like a little, just a little smile to my face is like, wow, this is a little bit easier to read. I just, I don't think insurers have yet um, appreciated 
the small stones that you're, they're going to have to turn and they're going to need to rely on a lot of companies like yours that can provide those insights that tell them you need right. to continuously iterate, continuously make it better. Don't stop. Exactly. And that's why we have three releases of our software a year because there's always changes happening. We're always meeting with carriers that come up with some great new idea and we're like, wow, okay, we will build that for you, but we'll productize it and um, you know, others are going to use it as well. And we love doing those sessions with some of our customers and we do them every quarter just to find out, okay, what's on your roadmap? And then we'll explain to them, here's what's on our roadmap and maybe there's some things that we enhance our roadmap with you know, from them. So yeah. um, it really works. You know, it's beneficial for both parties. It's great. Yeah. That's a fantastic story. Uh, Jason, I end every uh, episode of Profiles in, in Risk by trying to get uh, a little personal uh, with, my, uh, with the person that's in the, in the torture chair. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some personal questions, um, and let's have some fun. Uh, sure. One that I've been asking recently is, uh, what's your favorite vacation destination? Oh, man. Favorite vacation destination. My wife just gave birth about nine weeks ago. And before we took her on a baby moon. Well, thank you. We took on a baby moon actually to Florence, Italy. And uh, I love Italy. We also did um, Venice as well. And uh, I'd have to say probably anywhere in Italy is my favorite vacation destination. It's like, so coincidental. Uh, right before we jumped on the call, I was on FaceTime with my daughter and that's, she's, she's going to do study abroad and she found a, a little place in San Marino, which is just east of Florence. And I was just Ugh. like, yes, do it, do it. I'm, I'm very jealous. I am very yeah. jealous of her. I'm sure she's going to have a blast. Yeah. Maybe I'll come visit. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you will. Okay. So you're uh, Jason, you're in Florence, Italy and you're stuck there. You're, you're just, it's torturous. You know, so, but somebody's got to do it. And you can only listen to one album while you're there. That's it. You can't listen to anything else. What album would that be? Wow. Wow. That's a really good question. Mm. You know, something that always relaxes me when I'm on vacation. I love the Eagles live album, specifically Hotel California. I could probably just play that album over and over again. So I'd probably have to say that or... You know, I'm definitely a product of the 80s, even though I was born in the 70s. Um, so I love a lot of 80s music. So I'd say probably The Cure as well, big on my list. Nice. Nice. Good, good options there. Okay. Uh, I love asking this question because I love uh, researching later on because uh, I'm a lazy dude. So I'm just going to steal your... <laughs> steal your productivity, but do you have any tools or techniques? It doesn't have to be tech, but it could be, uh, that you use to stay productive and or organized? Um, well, you know, we live and die by Salesforce, to be quite honest. Um, our mm -hmm. company's built on it, so we all utilize Salesforce heavily. Um, you know, I still, you know, I still love Evernote. I still take a lot of notes on Evernote. I think Evernote is great. Um, we also started using some new tools here from a marketing automation perspective, a new account-based marketing tool called Engageo that we're finding a lot of success with. And, um, you know, and, and by way of teleconferencing, I mean, we use Zoom and I know you use Zoom also and we love Zoom. So we never have any problems with Zoom and, you know, my team utilizes it every day. But uh, the thing that we're really starting to use a lot now is Engageo. It's really starting to give us some good visibility into who's touching our site you know, what, um, what organization they're with by way of um, what carrier they're with, 
you know, what role they are in the organization. It's really giving us some visibility as to, you know, who we should be targeting because they're targeting us. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. Never heard of them. So that'll be yeah. uh, good. Good research on my end. Uh, I love Zoom. Uh, we use the, we use Zoom to record these. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize they have a free option, and I think it lets you record up to forty minutes. So for anyone that's like doing podcasting or anything, it's like quick way, and the connection's always good. I just I got off a call on an Uber conference, and I got an email that said, "What can we improve?" on this and I was tempted to like switch to zoom. I was tempted to reply all and just say switch to zoom. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be a better experience. But yeah, I, I love that. Um, Jason, my last uh, question to you is on books. Have there been any uh, that have been that you have found to be influential in your business and or personal life? Uh, it, it could be either. Yeah, so you know it's going to be funny, and I know I pound the Salesforce drum pretty hard, but I thought Mark Benioff's book, Behind the Cloud, was a game-changing book for me and the way that I look at business and just the way that I run my business as well. And so if people are listening to this and you have not read Behind the Cloud, I encourage you to do it. It is a great read, and it will really give you a keen understanding of how to build a cloud business, what Mark Benioff was thinking about while he was building his, and it's truly a great read. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I will, I'm going to put all of that on the show notes. So if you're listening, you're driving, don't pull over, just uh, go, go to our website. Everything, all the links will be on the show notes to connect to Jason, to connect to Velocity, um, and all of his recommendations for books, vacations, and technology. Uh, Jason, no better way to end a Friday than to, uh, to have a peppy talk like this. Well, Nick, we, I really appreciate your time. I think what you're doing is great. I love how you're educating folks about some of the latest things from an insurance perspective. Not everybody always thinks that insurance is fun. I do, personally, and I think this is a great time <laughs> to be in insurance. So, so I really thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Oh, you're just saying that. You say that to all the interviewers. <laughs> uh, my guest this week has been Jason Silver of Velocity. Jason, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate your time and for inviting me onto this.